Welcome to the In the Oil Patch radio show, broadcasting from the SR Trident studio. SR Trident, where safety is a culture, not just a word. In the Oil Patch radio show with Kimball Auto is where you will hear the latest in the oil, gas, and energy industry from a wide variety of industry experts, elected officials, and more, right here on In the Oil Patch radio show. Welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have a great show lined up for you. But first, before I bring on David, I'd like to tell you about the latest issue of Shell Magazine. Our cover was Heidi Gill, the CEO of Urban Solutions Group out of Colorado. She's a dynamic woman doing some amazing things in Colorado. I highly encourage you to go to shellmag.com, click on the digital link, it's free, and read all about her and all of the other amazing stories that we featured in this issue of Shell Magazine. And now it's time for me to welcome on my co-host and editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman. David, welcome to this week's show. Hey, it's another beautiful day in the oil patch. It sure is, and there is a lot going on globally, and so I think we should probably jump into some pretty serious questions that I know our listeners have pertaining to what's happening globally in, in, in the space of energy. But but before we drill into what's happening in Ukraine and Russia and the invasion and what's happening in China, let's talk about West Texas Intermediate. You know, it's closing at $88 right now. Um, and that's pretty yeah. high considering just what, two or three years ago, we were a negative 30. Um, <laughs> how do you only in the world of oil and gas can you get that crazy <laughs> but what seriously is happening are we etching up to a hundred dollar a barrel and you have said very clearly um if it yeah. hits that this is not a good thing so let's not start celebrating yeah. that you know we're gonna you know do something fabulous here with a hundred dollars uh, per right. you know, price yeah, per barrel. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not good for anybody. I, I think $100 is inevitable, frankly. I mm. I think it'll, I, you know, I think the last time we talked about this, uh, I said by April, it'll be 100 And I, I think now it's probably more likely it'll be there by March. Um, you know, all the, all the real factors in the market are very bullish right now. Uh, OPEC plus countries can't meet their quotas. They've run out of excess uh, capacity to produce other than Saudi Arabia and maybe two other countries. Um, and so, you know, they're not putting as much onto the market as they claim they are. I mean, every month they come up short. That's right. Saudi and, has not has not produced no. what they're supposed to. They're still waiting. We're still right. waiting for it to come online. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and you know, demand globally uh, is is just going through the roof as economies recover. Uh, here in the U.S. Is, is no exception. We're using record amounts of oil now here in the United States, all-time highs. And, you know, all this uh, talk about the, an energy transition to wind and solar and electric vehicles. The numbers aren't there. I mean, is, is wildly overstated. And, yes, electric vehicle sales have increased substantially, but demand is rising faster than those sales are. And so demand for oil continues to rise. And and that's the way it's going to continue to be throughout the rest of the year, uh, you know, unless we have a major recession. That's the only thing that can stop this uh, advance in oil prices. And as you said, it's not a good thing for anyone. It's not even a good thing for the industry itself, because at some point you get to a price that's so high, you actually do start destroying demand for crude oil. And 
and, and governments began making rational economic decisions to, to replace it with a cheaper fuel. So, you know, this is not anything to celebrate and, and the industry itself shouldn't be celebrating it because if, if it goes on for a long term, it's, it's bad for everyone. Well, you know, one question I have is, so you know I was at the Argus Media Conference in Houston last week, and overarching CEOs that were there, uh, uh, Phillips CEO, um, as well as Oxy CEO, uh, really had some uh, strange yeah. comments, because, you know, they're very guarded, but to hear them say that the Biden administration um, is energy ignorant and <laughs> that they have absolutely no... Um, no discussion or relationship with the Biden administration, and these are some of the major oil companies, integrated yeah. oil companies, is very, very alarming. We should be, but let's switch and talk about natural gas It is gas very prices. alarming. It, yes. it is, and but and it, it and is. now we have you know Russia threatening Ukraine, and I'm curious to understand what natural gas prices will look like in the U.S. Um, they they're on the rise. If this should happen. Where do you think uh, the United States and, of course, uh, Europe itself, where does this end? In, in yeah. what way are we going to be able to help fend this off? Or are we taking the right. necessary steps? Well, I mean, they, they, there's a, a limited amount uh, we can do. Uh, we can ship uh, LNG, liquefied natural gas, on ships to Europe. But there, there aren't enough LNG tankers on Earth to supply the whole European continent uh, with natural gas for even a day, much less some extended period of time. And one of the sanctions the Biden administration is throwing out that it could use against Russia is to uh, shut down its proposed Nord Stream 2 pipeline that's built, but just hasn't been Didn't he already, did, but didn't he, I mean, didn't right. he just Last say not too long ago approval. that it was a great thing and let's do this and now right. he's threatening, I mean, hmm. Yeah, just that's last a- summer. And, and so now he's threatening to shut it down and, and cut off Russian, you know, natural gas imports into Europe. Russia supplies Germany, uh, Belgium, and, and much of Western Europe with natural gas. And, and so um, it would create, you, you already have a crisis in Europe on energy because wind and solar have failed to perform as they promised they would. And uh, if you now cut off natural gas supplies to Europe in the dead of winter, uh, people are going to start dying in the dark, freezing in the cold in their homes. And, and, and can you imagine uh, uh, what they're going to say? This is the United States' fault for right for doing this. That's exactly what they'll say. And and you know, to a certain extent, that would be accurate to say. But but at the same time, you know, you have this situation where where Russia is threatening to invade a sovereign country, mm-hmm. and. Um, it's a tough deal. It's a tough situation, and and uh, you know uh, we're seeing the consequences of 15 years of incredibly stupid energy policy decisions made by these European countries come home to roost now, and they don't have any really good options here. Well, it's like you said, um, and what we all say is elections have consequences, and they're gonna, they do. They're going to have some difficult choices. Let's switch gears and talk about the Chinese president, President Xi, who told his government leaders this week that China desires to cut carbon emissions should take a back seat to their food supply, as well as to their energy security, and not yeah. disrupt disrupt their citizens' way of 
life or their, their, their living standards. If that happens, then how does the whole climate change debate, um, uh, how is it affected if they're not yeah. willing to make any changes? And aren't they one of the countries that's the last country to come on board in accordance mm-hmm. with the Paris Climate Accord, right? 20 years from now. Right. So they, I doubt they, they make that <laughs> cut off. Right. I mean, people, most people don't understand. China has zero obligations mm-hmm. under to do anything under the Paris Accords until 2035. Uh, they have said they have a plan to be carbon neutral by 2060, uh, you know, 38 years from now, by which time the whole world will have changed a dozen times. Uh, they, they really don't have any real commitment uh, to cut emissions. Uh, China is very uh, structured and rational, and, and they make economic decisions based on economics. And they know that they must have uh, adequate and affordable energy for their economy to continue to grow and for their people to thrive. And that's what they're focused on. And they're also the largest uh, global emitter of carbon by far. Nobody else is even close. And, and no you know, one's holding them accountable for this. In right, any and way. no one's making even making an effort to hold them mm-hmm. accountable. In fact, you know, in a couple of weeks, they get to host the Winter Olympics as a reward for all this. So it just shows you how unserious the global community really is uh, about climate change and how all these global elites that fly in their private jets to these annual conferences, you know, don't really even believe their own fright rhetoric. I mean, that's what this really is. It also seems like at the very end of the day, if they tell citizens and citizens believe, and I'm not, I'm not an anti-oil and ga- I mean, I'm not an anti-climate, you know, I'm not trying to say that I don't think that we should be trying to use, recycle and, and, and find better energy sources. That's not what I'm saying here, but I do believe that if there are countries that are big polluters and they are not having to do anything, and then you see countries that are small and poor and they are going to have right. less access to clean energy and cheap, abundant energy. People start dying in those situations. And it just right. doesn't seem fair that we're not talking really the truth about what's going on here and how certain countries um, do not have to worry or have a concern about managing the, or amending or, you know, working right. with the Paris Climate Accord the way the rest of the world is, they're somehow or another, uh, they don't have to, they're omitted. And then there's others that are. It just doesn't, um, we, we really need to think, I think, about what we're doing here. And because there will be winners and losers, and it usually is the most indigent of the population and people that are the indigent one. Even here in the United States, the poor people, it's going to be on their backs, not on the people who can That's right. It. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Well, David, we're getting ready to go to break, and when we come back, we're going to be joined by Mike Howard, the CEO of Howard Energy Partners, and we're going to get his take on some of the global uh, situations that are occurring right now and, of course, what can we expect in oil and gas. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. SR Trident is a veteran-owned and operated industrial construction company established in 2012 by co-founders Stephen Snyder and Ryan Berthold. SR Trident has positioned itself as an expert in the industrial construction sector. With mounting business expansions, they've assembled a team of skilled, experienced, and able individuals 
Corps dedicated to meeting client needs as they evolve. SR Trident's safety record is impeccable as they've won a number of awards, including the ABC National Safety Excellence Award in 2020. With exceptional leadership and experience driving their gains, SR Trident can tackle any project and are ready to let their talent be the driving force in the energy industry. Call today, 361-776-2662 or visit online at srtrident.com to request a bid proposal today. Hey you, do you want to join the fastest growing oil and gas network in Texas? Ma'am, I'm all for growing my business, so you've got my attention. What is it? TEAK is the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. They hold business mixers to help businesses grow and network. Any cost to join? For the next 90 days, it's completely free, no charge to join. But they do want like-minded individuals to attend who are interested in growing their business and networking. Well, I want to join. Where should I go? Go to shalemag.com slash TEAK and click on the join link. Enter your information and we'll get you set up. Join the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition at shalemag.com slash teak today. And now, David, it's time for us to welcome on a great partner to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, Mike Howard, CEO of Howard Energy Partners. Mike, welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Hey, Kim. Hey, David. Nice hey, to see you. Well, we're glad that you decided to come back and talk to us because there's been a lot of changes that have been going on. Uh, it looks like uh, we've been uh, stepping out a little bit more from COVID. There's been more conferences, uh, and there's been a lot going on in the way of energy transition, or uh, a lot of people are using it, the buzzword energy evolution now. Um, so, <laughs> but before we start jumping in all these different topics and the Biden administration, um, tell us a little bit about what's happening and what's going on with Howard Energy Partners. There's been some head- headway uh, pertaining to your company. So get us up to speed what's been going on with you guys. Yeah, so last year uh, in the news, there was you know a, a, a little bit of negativity, but what, what we ended the year on was uh, a, a great kind of capitalization uh, project where we went out and got some public debt for the first time. So we actually got rated publicly by Fitch, Moody's, and S&P. Uh, we went out and sold $400 million in debt to the public, uh, which means basically that you know, you're not publicly traded because that would be an IPO and you'd be on the stock exchange of some sort. This is on the, on the debt side. And so what that did was uh, it, it, we recapitalized the debt side of our business, and now we have uh, liquidity uh, to go out and do more projects. One of the ones we're working on right now is really cool is uh, that we announced last year is the uh, uh, renewable diesel project where we'll be the largest renewable diesel logistics hub uh, in Texas. And we can talk about renewable diesel later if you're interested uh, in it, but sure. that's a 200 and $50 million project and, and uh, needing some uh, capital to, to fund that project. We got a lot of other cool things going on around uh, some ESG projects and stuff that we can talk about. And I'm a big fan of your evolution word. We use that around here because transition, we've never actually transitioned off of an energy source uh, as a as a human species. So, so we're still burning wood, aren't we? That's right. Two billion people on the planet still use wood as their primary source. And we use more wood today than we ever have before in our history. So yeah, we, we don't know how to transition off of an energy source. <laughs> right. Well, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, one thing that you guys are doing, but Howard Energy Partners originally started, you worked for a large midstream company 
and then you decided to strike out on your own, and you basically started as a, uh, just a primarily a midstream company, but now you're somewhat of an integrated energy powerhouse, right? You have a lot of things underneath your uh, umbrella. What are some of the things, also the other things you're in? I know you did an MOU with uh, the Port of Corpus Christi as well, pertaining to hydrogen. So just give our listeners an idea of all the different little areas that you're focusing on, because energy transition evolution is the key right now. Yeah, well, thank you for the uh, for generosity of calling us a powerhouse. You know, <laughs> uh, I, I left Energy Transfer uh, to start this company ten years ago. It's our tenth anniversary. So, what what we have is different business lines. We have the traditional uh, in basin gathering and processing, where we own cryogenic processing plants, oil gathering pipelines, uh, storage uh, tanks, that sort of thing in the field. Then, um, when when you move to our refined products businesses. Uh, it is diesel, gasoline, deep water port facilities, uh, unit train facilities, where we're multimodal, where we're, we'll transport products from one place to another place uh, using our midstream assets. And finally, we're kind of known for a pipeline down in Mexico, where we actually took the largest natural gas producing basin in Texas, connected it with the largest natural gas user in Mexico, which is Monterey, and we put a, a integrated 200 mile transmission pipeline in. So all of those, and then most recently last year, we closed on the Havelina plant, which is a hydrogen production facility that you mentioned, that we're in the process of converting that hydrogen uh, to a, a cleaner grade of hydrogen uh, that you'll read about. Uh, that's where the Port of Corpus Christi came in. We did a MOU with them. Uh, and we have some carbon sequestration projects going on uh, that haven't been announced yet, but that, that are, that are uh, pretty exciting. Um, again, taking traditional oil and gas businesses, and it'll be our industry that evolves into more different forms of energy. I don't know that we ever get off of one form of energy before going to another one, because we haven't done that before. Uh, but uh, it'll be our industry that figures out how to steadily decarbonize our existing energy sources. Interesting. Well, Mike, uh, uh, without giving away anything proprietary, uh it's non-public information. Talk about this renewable diesel because I'm not really familiar with that myself, and uh, it sounds sounds like a pretty interesting project to me. Yeah, so it's very fascinating. Um, two uh, two uh, companies, Valero, which is the largest you know refiner in the country, then Darling is the largest uh, rendered fat company that goes around and collects fat from, <sighs> from kill plants. Yeah. They collect they collect fat. They'll put it onto trains. They bring it to our facility where where we'll keep it heated and in a liquid form. We'll pipeline this animal fat over and and recycled vegetable oil. We we send it to their refinery. They convert it into diesel. Send it back to us. Then we put it back onto trains and to ships to be shipped to places that have renewable uh, diesel fuel standards or clean fuel standards. Um, and they're actually going to be using our facility to do that. So it'll be, you know, we're a midstream company, but I never thought we'd be in the animal fat uh, collection. <laughs> uh, and what's fascinating about renewable diesel is it can mix with normal diesel. You hear about green diesel. That is a different style of diesel uh, that cannot be mixed with traditional over the road uh, fuel diesel. So uh, renewable diesel is a, a, a new kind of thing. So it, it's a 35,000 barrel a day facility we're building in Port Arthur, Texas. Well, you know, I think the thing that our listeners might pick up on is that how you're repurposing a form of energy and turning it into a renewable, greener source. And and people just can't even imagine because oil and gas has had such a negative, um, people have made it seem so horrible. And yet 
you guys are actually the ones who are renewing it, making it and repurposing it into something new. So this always, you know, makes me happy to be able to tell those stories. When we get back from break, you mentioned Mexico in your uh, pipeline. I think you all were the first to have the first international pipeline into Mexico. Kudos on that. When we get back, we want to talk about and get updated on what's happening there in Mexico. But we have to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. Remember this name, Oil Field Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Oil Field Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210 210- Four seven one one nine two three, and visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, video, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G.com to learn more. Shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business. Pick up the phone today and call 210-240-7188. Again, 210-240-7188. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Mike Howard, CEO of Howard Energy Partners. Uh, you, you mentioned in the first segment your pipeline with Mexico, and uh, that's that's a, a real key part of your business. And I've been actually wondering, I'm glad we're getting to talk because I've been wondering if any of these moves that uh, President Oberdor uh, down there has been making towards renationalizing parts of the industry uh, were impacting the pipeline sector uh, in any way. You know, one of our strategies in Mexico is, has been and, and continues to be whatever's good for Texas is good for Mexico and vice versa. We need a strong partner there. And we believe by them continuing to evolve off of fuel oil, coal, and dirtier diesel, dirtier forms yeah. of fuel to cleaner natural gas is the right way to go. We have this abundant, cheap, reliable natural gas right here at the border, and, and they're, they're declining production there. We want to help them uh, in, in any way they can. And, and despite all the things that I'm reading in Mexico, just like you are, mm-hmm. they continue to use energy. There's 128 million people there. They need energy. Uh, they're driving. They have air conditioners. They have refrigeration. They, all the modern conveniences we have. Um, and so they, they continue to be a, a, a large energy partner of ours. And, you know, there's, I think, six BCF a day of natural gas. And out of the that's almost 10% of the of the produced gas in the U.S. that goes to Mexico. They're a huge partner of ours, and so uh, I I well I'm not a huge fan of of what I read what's going on. It hasn't impacted us so far. Good. Do you think that um, with what we've been reading that they are trying to make a lot of transitions away from uh, oil and natural gas? Do they get there anytime soon? I mean, I'm hearing probably not. You haven't seen anything on your end, but do you really think that um, you'll start seeing a move with this president? No, I think the opposite. I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like they're starting up uh, their their assets that they had shut down and used some private electrical generation. That they're, they're it seems like they're restarting their old uh, facilities up, and and uh, I, I don't I don't 
hear energy evolution or transition in their conversation right now. I, 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 uh, I, I hear investment into PMEX. I hear uh, that yeah. sort of things. I, I don't I don't believe they're on the on the tra- on a track to evolve anytime soon. Well, let's switch gears and, and bring it to Texas because Texas obviously is at the forefront of all the drilling rigs. It seems to now be in full bloom, <coughs> uh, you know, drilling mode. Um, although the rig count and frack speed remains mute in other basins, what are you seeing from Permian? Uh, and does this move beyond the Texas borders in 2022? I mean, we did see that continental resources has, has kind of moved into the Permian Basin. They acquired, we've, we're seeing some movement in some of the other larger ones between Concho and um, Scott Sheffield's Pioneer Natural Resources. I'm just curious um, your thoughts on what are we seeing here in Texas versus other uh, basins? And I want to give you a little bit of time to talk, then we're going to go into a break. Go ahead, Mike. So, you know, what, what we're seeing is last year we saw some consolidation happen, which, you know, is all public news. Uh, we're also seeing some of the super majors, you know, what they're not necessarily uh, picking up drilling rigs. Uh, and the, the middle tier guys aren't, aren't, they're picking up rigs. But if we would have saw $90 oil happen in 2000 and say 16, 17, we had at that time what uh, two thousand rigs operating in the U.S. Yeah, or something like almost, that. Almost, yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're not seeing that ramp. We're seeing rigs come on, but there seems to be some discipline going on, and, and we really like seeing that because that might bring some stability and take some of the the massive fluctuation out of what we're seeing. Um, and most of the, that's due to capital that hasn't been um, uh, that's that's left our industry. They said for ESG reasons, but a lot of it is because not a lot of money was made between 2010 and 2020. A lot right. of companies went bankrupt in that time frame. So, uh, so I think showing the industry, showing the market that we can be disciplined. Uh, I think you'll see consolidation. I think you'll see some rational behavior going on. Um, every basin that we operate in, which we operate in four basins, um, has rigs showing up uh, at every one of them. Oklahoma being the slowest, uh, but the other. Um, other three, Eagleford, Marcellus, and uh, West Texas, there, there's there's rigs showing up. So. Very good. Well, we're going to get ready for break. When we come back, I want to get on the topic of the Biden administration. I know David has lots of questions. We just finished up a conference with Argus Media in which the discussion was the Biden administration overarching and what's going on there. We do have to take a quick break. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C. and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. And we're back. You're listening to on the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Mike Howard, CEO of Howard Energy Partners. Yeah, Mike, um, 
Let's uh, let's talk about what's happening in the United States with the Biden administration. They, uh, I, I'm not really sure what what they're thinking about. They, the the administration continues to to work pretty fervently to deny certain pipeline projects in some parts of the country. They just denied another permit on a big one up in the Appalachia region, um, which is such an important part of our gas supply. I wonder. Uh, I mean. If, are there any concerns? I, you know, I know you're mainly in Texas, and uh, it's a more friendly area. But do you have concerns about the direction the administration is taking related to the midstream part of the business? And Mike, you yeah. do have some assets outside of Texas too, right? We, we right. do. We operate in four states, so about forty percent of our gas that we move, we're about seventy percent natural gas. And about half of that moves in Pennsylvania, so we're, we're we're pretty familiar operating in the Northeast, which is a very different right. place to operate than the South. Um, and and what we continue to concern ourselves with is a, is a lack of strategy. As you look at other countries and the long term vision that China or Russia or other people are deploying, the U.S. really doesn't have a long term energy strategy. We, through innovation in our industry and, and, and the lack of regulation through the Shell Revolution, actually got us energy independent to where we are today. But there's no strategy to keep that independence going forward. In fact, as you mentioned, uh, David, they're actually working against us, uh, uh, where they're restricting uh, pipelines, they're restricting infrastructure. And I, I don't clearly that there's not an understanding of what cheap, reliable, energy does for economies because i think a lot of the innovation you've seen anywhere from silicon valley to everywhere else in the u.s um, is driven by the energy that we're providing and at a cheap reliable um, uh, in a cheap reliable way so i i, I don't and, and also we're achieving our our carbon uh, uh emissions reductions ahead of all other countries because of our switch from coal to natural gas well, we didn't do that because of environmental reasons. We did it because natural gas is more abundant and less expensive. Uh, that, that's why it happened. So it, it concerns us the lack of vision um, that this country has currently uh, when it comes to energy independence. Mike, let's switch gears and, and talk about West Texas Intermediate. You know, I, said, I, I, I just finished a conference uh, with Argus uh, Media and they are basically all concerned about crude pricing. The overall arching message was that the Biden administration is pretty energy ignorant. And I mean that in a respectful way, if I can, as, as <laughs> much as I can, but they really don't know what's going on. Uh, West Texas Intermediate traded at $88 per barrel this week. Are we heading towards 100? Is that inevitable now at this point? Well, I think it has thoughts? to be. I think it has to be, right? I, we, we don't, set, we don't, we don't uh, predict the market. We, we live in the market. Uh, and and it just from a supply demand economic standpoint, what we've seen through the pandemic, um, and and what we're seeing now on the recovery from the pandemic is, I mean, the U.S. used more crude oil um, uh, last year. Uh, we're on a record pace of, of crude oil usage right now. We're on a record pace of natural gas uh, usage and export and production. Um, as as you see, whenever you restrict energy to people, prices go up, and prices go up, it hurts the poor. The whole thing going on in the Ukraine right now with Russia is all around energy, you know, right. uh, and the U.S. threatening to to you know cut off natural gas with Nord Stream two to Germany. That's not going to happen. Uh, you know, you're not going to restrict energy to people, uh, even though restricting the energy would would help put pressure on Russia. 
then you're hurting the Germans. And so we've got to get our head around, um, you know, what's going on from a realistic, you know, science-based fact of that the world uses 100 million barrels a day of oil. You have to produce 100 million barrels a day of oil. If you don't produce 100 million day barrel of oil, the highest bidder is going to get the oil. So that moves energy prices up. That's just the way supply and demand works. And, and that's what we're seeing right now. I don't think it's magic. Um, what's going on? <laughs> it's yeah. 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 Well, I, you know, and of course, I mean, with oil prices going up, uh, gas prices at the pump are going up too. Um, and, and we've, you know, seen this administration already make some pretty stupid moves to try to uh, control the price of oil, uh, similar to what Jimmy Carter used to do in the 70s. And I wonder, you know, one of the concerns I've, I've had recently is there have been a spate of media articles advocating uh, the Biden administration move to uh, try to implement some kind of government dictated price controls on energy. I, I wonder if you have concerns about about uh, the administration potentially going down that road and and what the impacts of, of something like that might be on the industry. You know, I'm, I'm in favor of, of making sure that no one party controls uh, all uh, uh, branches. Uh, that that would be catastrophic. If there's a government pricing control that comes into a commodity like that, uh, that, that runs basically the world, you know, basically the world in our economy, uh, that's very, very dangerous because then you're subject to uh, politics that aren't rational as we've seen what's mm -hmm. gone on here recently uh, right. with some of the climate strategies that we're implementing to the detriment of people that pay electrical bills. You know, um, we, it, it, they, they think they're helping people, they're actually hurting people. And by them putting price controls in, it would be absolutely detrimental to our industry, I think, and to the country. Uh, if politicians gotten involved in setting pricing of commodities. You know, it's everyone is familiar with um, Russia potentially invading uh, Ukraine. There was a big discussion at the conference too. What does this look like? And I know that we've done some energy minutes or, or syndicated energy minutes talking about how the Biden administration is moving and other countries to ensure that if there is, there will not be any uh, uh, Ability for them to cut off uh, the LNG exports into Europe. And so I think there are countries coming together to try to figure out how do we do this if Russia should invade Ukraine. And I guess, you know, my question or when we come back from break is going to be how does that look to you, Mike? What does that look like for energy prices, um, natural gas? And is there, uh, I mean, do you really see this happening or is this potentially, uh, is, do you see Russia maybe backing down? and them not actually going through with it. Now that they see other countries like the United States are sending troops out there and they're, we're starting to get ramped up that if you're gonna do something, well, we're gonna be there to, I guess, in some capacity to, to help Ukraine. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about what's happening in Ukraine and uh, Russia. You're listening to and the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our business profile that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation, ratings online, website, 
advertising and social media, and search engine optimization. All of these areas really affect how Google ranks your entire listing. So if ranking on page one is your goal, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com slash business profile. We'll be in contact with you within 24 hours. Once again, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com slash business profile. Start dealing with a company you can trust and always find. And we're back. You're listening to on the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Mike Howard, CEO of Howard Energy Partners. And Mike, we, we kind of segued into a discussion about what's happening in Europe with Putin threatening to move into the Ukraine, the United States, the Biden administration now threatening pretty major sanctions in response, including, you know, denying uh, startup of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, cutting off Russia's exports of natural gas into Europe. And at the same time, the administration, we've seen stories about them working with other countries like Qatar and Australia and, and, and other uh, LNG exporting countries to try to ensure Europe continues to have a supply of natural gas for the winter uh, in that event. And hopefully, you know, hopefully it won't happen. But I wonder, you know, I mean, yes, we have a lot of LNG exports, but I wonder if there really are enough LNG tankers uh, that exist in the world to fully supply the European continent with natural gas should the Russian imports to, to Europe be cut off. I, I think your intuition's right. I've not done the math either. It doesn't feel like we just recently started uh, shipping LNG out of, out of the US, right? In the last right. five to 10 years. I don't think there's enough infrastructure in place to satisfy Europe's demand without uh, Russia. Um, you know, that, that, that we saw this past year, 50, $60 prices in, in Europe. And this was before the Ukraine potential invasion. Uh, now that that uh, country potentially is going to get invaded and the oil that they produce and the natural gas they produce, it could be in jeopardy. Um, it, it, Europe is uh, definitely, a, it, it's whoever has the energy and Russia has the energy. And so yeah. uh, it, it, I think your intuition is absolutely right that we, the U.S. will continue to export what we can um, above our demand, uh, but it's 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 a very small amount compared to the world uh, energy demand uh, that 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 needs energy, and we produce it the cleanest, right? They should be wanting to get it from us. We just don't have the quantities that they need. So what I predict is going to happen is you're gonna you're probably going to see an invasion because he's timing it just right with the election, right? Right. Um, you're 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 going to see uh, gas and oil prices go up because of that, and you're going to see uh, Europe uh, paying for it. You well, and, and, and natural gas prices have even gone up here in the United States, right? We're at almost uh, $5 an MMBTU this week. Uh, are we going to see Henry Hub prices going even higher if we have to ramp up LNG exports even more? The thing to take comfort in is there's a lot of natural gas in the U.S., and so we can respond really quickly with the infrastructure we have in place, with the way drilling can happen now, um, it will be short term. I, I don't predict long term. Uh, you know, we're talking about in a in, in a couple months time frame. They can bring on more natural gas and drive price down. So I, I I'm not. I am a. 
bullish on energy, but I'm not bullish on natural gas price. Mike, Good. you said something that caught my attention, which you said that he's timing it close to the election. Go a little further in that. What, what are you thinking is happening there? Well, and, and I'm not an expert in, no, it's in just uh, your, your European thoughts. politics, you know, what, but it, it, I, I read Daniel Jurgen's book last year, The New Map, and it kind of lays it out pretty succinctly on what's happening. And it's kind of like um, the Russian president and the uh, Chinese president, they, they, their visions are very clear. They have a very clear map on what's going on and how the world really works. And uh, they don't spend a lot of time focusing on some of the ridiculousness that the U.S. spends their time on. They're just <laughs> implementing their world plan. And so right. uh, this is, you know, Russia supplies energy and Europe is an energy taker. And they're going to continue to expand their reach uh, and their influence to, to, to produce more energy. And that's, what, that's what's going on. So, and, 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 and timing it with the election is perfect, right? So how do you act? If you fight, uh, if you make war, does that help your chances of re-election or hurt your chances of re-election? That's right. You know, it hurts so, it. Mm -hmm. so uh, I, it probably does. And so uh, it, it's like he's just waiting on the border, waiting for March to get here, and, and then he'll move on in. That's what I, it feels like. I think like. there's a lot of American people, too, also waiting for their opportunity to go vote. Let's let's switch gears real quick. The last uh, <laughs> part of the show we have is let's talk about the Chinese president. Um, he told his government leaders that uh, China uh, desires to cut carbon emissions should take a backseat to their food security and energy security. Um, so that way it doesn't disrupt, disrupt normal life, which I guess we probably get that here too in the United States and we'd like to see more of that as well. But what does that mean for so-called global warming? Because you have a, you know, a whole bunch of countries really yeah, going so, so, all in on climate change. So, so the stance that you that, that we take is a very thermodynamically sound a, 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 a approach. We are pro-energy, we're pro-climate, we're anti-poverty. That's We're very clear about that. And we're, we are following the same roadmap that, that humans have followed in all of human history. Ch the Chinese are just saying out loud what's going to happen around the world uh, also is they're going to figure out ways to use more energy, they're going to use the cheapest, most reliable energy they can. They're going to attract capital by saying, yes, we're decarbonizing, but they're going to put a time frame on it so far out in the future to put a 2060 target, 2070 target that they know that, that who knows what technology. I do know they have, what, 150 nuclear power plants they've scheduled now that they've announced. Right. Uh, they're rational in their approach in that we need all forms of energy and more dilute forms of energy like solar and wind if they can get natural gas, oil, and nuclear on a more reliable basis, more consistently, they're going to go with whatever that is because the more energy they use, the more their people come out of poverty. That's just the way the world works. That's thermodynamically the way it works. So they're not going to be bound by ideology of a climate uh, worship uh, that 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 they're they're financially reasonable in other words they're financially rational they're gonna yes so so they're gonna buy air conditions for their people if the if the globe continues to warm they're 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 gonna focus on buying air conditioning you know that they're not gonna put in renewable energy uh that's just not what their what their goals are even though and, and really mike when you when you get outside the united states north america canada um and europe that's really the approach most governments in the world are taking right russia and india and uh, indonesia philippines um yeah yeah li li listen to like the energy minister of, of senegal or nigeria people who are very right. poor places in africa uh they're, they're like you cannot it's, it's energy colonialism to restrict financing to my country that has resources that we want to extract 
and we need your technology and money to bring our people out of poverty, but you're going to restrict this because it's not clean, you know, and that, and that, that they're right. You know, um, I, you're not going to stop, you know, right now, 46% of the planet uh, lives on less than $5 and 50 cents a day. The U S poverty line is $35 a day. The $5 and 50 cent people are going to work to get to our poverty line. That's and the right. way to do that is with energy. That's just the way it's going to work. Well, in closing, Mike, uh, if you ever decide to run for president, shoots, I think any <laughs> CEO that we've interviewed <laughs> seriously would make a great president because you guys understand energy and economics together. And you guys also are very well groomed to communicate in a concise but effective manner. You should really consider running for the president of the United States <laughs> because you'd have my vote because it's a uh, mess of any people run for office and just really do not have a clear understanding of how this works. And yet they're the very people that are making either executive orders and or our Congress and Congresswomen that are, uh, you know, proposing bills that make no sense as well. Uh, So if you uh, ever consider that, please let us know. We'd be happy to announce it. (laughs) Mike, thank you for being a guest on the show today. Uh, As always, it's a pleasure, and we look forward to you coming back in the future. Thank you. Good seeing you. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Thank you.